if you don't know me, my name is Rich. Um, I'm going to be taking us through the next part of our meeting this morning. Um, and if you've been around at all, you might know that over the last few months, uh, we've been working our way through a series in the book of Ephesians, um, which is a letter written by a guy called Paul um, to a number of churches in an area of what is now modern-day Turkey. Um, and we've called this whole thing uh, Crafted. Um, that's the kind of theme that we're working out. And I think that's something that's really come through Um, this morning, as Gus kind of picked up on the nature of what it is for us all to be crafted together, each of us individual, but all adding in who we are into who we are together. Um, And so um, we're going to get straight into it this morning. Um, You pick things up in Ephesians chapter 5, and starting from verse 8, it says this, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And in this morning's passage, we see Paul uh, making three contrasts. And we're going to take some time this morning to look at each one in turn. Uh, He continues what we've been looking at over the past few weeks in contrasting the old self, who we were before we knew Jesus, with the new self, who we are now that we've put on our new identity in him. And then he contrasts fruitfulness, the outward sign of a flourishing spiritual life, with unfruitfulness, uh, the results of an unhealthy relationship with God and with others. And finally, He contrasts living with wisdom, walking with God in every circumstance, making right choices, with living unwisely, missing out on the opportunities to enjoy and reveal God's goodness. And we see this kind of technique used in all kinds of different areas of life, don't we? Um, In photography, a contrast might serve to um, mark something out as distinctly different, to draw attention to a subject. Uh, In music, a composer might use changes of volume, a contrast, to build a stirring crescendo to emphasise part of a song. In a story, it might be a shocking twist uh, that the author uses to catch us off guard and move things in a different direction. And here, Paul is doing the same kind of thing. He's wanting us to focus our attention on his key message. And it's interesting that Paul chooses to phrase his first contrast between the old self and the new self, not by saying that we were once in darkness and are now in light, although that would be true, and we see that phrased in that way in different parts of the New Testament. Here, he chooses to say that we were darkness and now are light. It's not just that we've dramatically moved from a place of darkness into a place of light, 
like on a cold winter morning when you kind of stumble out of bed and flick the light switch on and suddenly the whole room is flooded. The point that Paul wants to emphasize isn't our surroundings, it's not our environment. When we centered our lives on Jesus, it was our lives, not our surroundings, that were changed from darkness into light. And that's important to remember because it helps guard us against unrealistic expectations of what it looks like to live out a life of faith in contemporary culture. It can be easy sometimes uh, to look around us in our society, uh, a country that increasingly um, doesn't look like it used to, that doesn't look as Christian as it used to, particularly if you grew up in in an era where it seemed like everyone went to church. To be a Christian is no longer to be in the majority. It's no longer to just go along with the status quo. For us this morning, this passage is a reminder that we're called to be those who are different, who stand out from the crowd, who choose to live in a different way. We can't just rely on our surroundings. Paul's point in saying that we were darkness and now are light is that it's meant to change everything about us in order that we change everything about our surroundings. God doesn't change the world in order to change us. He changes us in order to change the world. That's the heart of the message that he's building on over these verses. So what does it mean to be light rather than darkness? Well, in another book of the Bible, in 1 John 1, uh, it says this. This is the message we've heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God ultimately is the source of light, which serves here uh, to represent everything that is good. Truth, hope, holiness, life, joy. And when we centre our lives on him... That's what we get. Over and above everything else that God has to offer, what he first gives us is himself in and through his son Jesus. We become light because we've been united to the one who is the perfect representation of what light is. Before, we were darkness because darkness is simply the absence of light which to Paul means a life not lived in that relationship with the living God. And the encouragement, therefore, for us is to live as children of light. And rather than being presented as a negative, a uh, do this because if you don't, this will happen, it's presented as a positive because of this incredible change that has taken place in our lives, live this way because it reflects your new identity. Living a life following Jesus isn't about following rules because of the threat of judgment. It's about learning to live in the reality of the new identity that we have in him. God's grace isn't a license to sin and just do whatever we want because we hope that it doesn't really matter and we'll all be all right because we've got grace. To paraphrase Han Solo, grace doesn't work like that. (laughs) Yes, grace is forgiveness. 
Adrian likes that one. Can you tell the Star Wars DVD came out this week? <laughs> yes, grace is forgiveness. But it's also the power of God working in our lives now for our continued transformation. The Holy Spirit at work in us, transforming us more like Jesus every day. The people we were always intended to be. That's the contrast between the old self and the new self. The second contrast that Paul makes is between the fruitful and the unfruitful. Paul writes, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. In other words, if we are living as the people we're called to be, this is what we should expect to see as the results, as the fruit in our own lives. He highlights three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And for the, f- the past four weeks, you might have noticed we've been in kind of a mini series uh, within our wider Ephesians series, um, looking at how we're crafted anew, how this new life with Jesus at the center transforms everything about how we're to live now. And this fruit that Paul is talking about here follows on from all of those things that we've been looking at. And so a few weeks ago, Adrian spent a couple of weeks looking at the renewal of our minds and our emotions. In other words, how we learn to live in the good of what we've known in order that we might bear the fruit of goodness. Last week, we looked at actions, the call for there to be not even a hint of things which are improper for God's people in order that we might bear the fruit of righteousness. And just before that, Gus looked at the way we use our words to build up rather than tear down in order that in everything we say, we might bear the fruit of truth. This passage doesn't stand alone. It follows on unmistakably from everything that Paul has been talking about beforehand. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to those last four talks yet, I'd really encourage you to do so. Um, You can find them on our website at www.theoasischurch.com. And I know that personally I found them just really helpful, um, really practical, a really down-to-earth grounding of everything we've been looking at in the series of Ephesians really since we started it in September. And so, having sketched out what fruitfulness looks like, Paul emphasizes it again by contrasting it with the opposite, the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Um, And in that, um, the former, he says, pleases the Lord. You know, good fruit, God delights to see. Whereas the implication is that the opposite, the latter, God doesn't really want to see. It breaks the heart of God to see those he's created dispensing evil rather than goodness, injustice rather than righteousness, falsehood rather than truth. In fact, those things are so against the heart of God that Paul doesn't even want to mention them. He doesn't even want to consider them. He wants to put them out of his mind entirely. And that's the challenge for us this morning. What fruit are we producing? Are we showing that goodness, 
that righteousness, that truth? Or are there times when we're showing the opposite? Paul doesn't leave us a middle ground to hide in, a fence to sit on. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Are we living like that? Am I living like that? I feel the challenge of those words because I know there's so many times when I come up short, when I choose uh, the things of darkness because they seem easier or quicker or better for me. Paul challenges us to walk a different path. Instead, he says that we should expose them. But what does he mean by that? Isn't trying to expose what we would see as wrong exactly what keeps getting Christians into trouble in the media? Isn't it just that kind of attitude that sows uh, division and hatred, that presents Christians as kind of narrow-minded, bigoted, relics of the past? I don't think that is what Paul is saying. And certainly, this is not an encouragement to stand on the street corner and shout condemnation at the world. When we look at Paul's argument as a whole, it's clear he's not talking about exposing individuals through condemnation, but exposing unfruitful works through fruitfulness. He puts the responsibility on us to live up to our calling as children of the light, and in doing so, to shine as a beacon to others, revealing unfruitful deeds for what they are. And that doesn't mean that we simply stay silent or we refuse to speak out against the very real evil that we see in the world. But the the primary point that Paul is making here is that the way we are to expose darkness in every area of life is through knowing that identity that we were singing about earlier. Knowing our identity as dearly loved children of the king and living that out in a godly lifestyle, allowing the light of the gospel to shine through our lives and demonstrate goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what it means to make uh, the deeds of darkness visible, to expose them, not in arrogance and judgment, but in humbly living out our own calling. And when that happens, Paul says in verse 13, It's not exposing, it's transforming. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Um, Now, I'm not much of a scientist. Um, We might have some scientists here today. But I did just about get through my GCSEs and was quite happy to leave it there. Um, And I think I picked up that if a light shines on something, it doesn't become a light generally. Um, I'm I'm seeing some nods from the scientists I do know in the room. Um, It might reflect the light. Um, It might be one of those cool kind of glow-in-the-dark things, which kind of retains a luminous green glow, um, even after the light is turned off. Um, But the reality is, light doesn't just multiply itself by shining on things. You, You can't multiply a torch by shining it on a brick. Again, though, Paul's not talking about a natural light. He's talking about who we are to be as the ones who have been united 
to the perfect representation of what light is. Those who are seeking to bring light in every situation. The expectation is that as we go about living like that, it will cause those who haven't centered their lives on Jesus to take notice, to ask, why is it that we're living like that? And to consider God for themselves. In different places, the Bible makes it totally clear that we are to seek uh, to draw others in and reveal God in all sorts of different ways. And so for us, that looks like um, incredible events that we were hearing about yesterday with kind of loving the city. Um, It looks like alpha courses uh, that allow people to come with their questions and ask anything they want to know about life, the universe, and everything. It looks like the work of the bridge, our addictions recovery program, the communities of impact, and Monday night football. But it also looks like the consistent, faithful striving of ordinary believers in what seems like ordinary daily life to demonstrate goodness, righteousness, and truth wherever they've been uniquely placed and for however long that is. We're not to despise the everyday, but instead see it as fundamental to how God wants to work through us, how God wants to reveal himself to others around us. The ordinary matters because of the presence of the extraordinary within us. Yes, I do. The ordinary matters because of the presence of the extraordinary within us. God, longing to bring about more fruitfulness in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit inside us in order that others might come to see Jesus and be united to him too, changing from darkness into light. And Paul illustrates uh, the point with this little quotation in verse 14. Um, And the first time I read through, I didn't think too much of it. Um, It looks like another of the many references that Paul makes to kind of Old Testament writings. Uh, But when you dig into it, it becomes clear straight away that it's not a quotation uh, from anywhere else in the Bible at all. Um, And certainly it uses biblical language. It draws on themes that we see in the books of Isaiah and Jonah. Um, But the exact text isn't found anywhere else. Most of the commentaries... um, Instead, suggests that it's likely to have been part of an early Christian hymn, something that the earliest disciples would have sung together as they gathered um, just a couple of years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, I think that's tremendously exciting to think that what we can see here um, is a fragment of a forgotten song, um, the kind of thing Paul might have sung to himself in the shower in the morning. Um, Maybe. Who knows? It could be. (laughs) Next week, uh, Gus is going to be taking some time to look at how um, we're we're drawn to singing. Uh, (laughs) And he'll be sharing what he sings in the shower as well. (laughs) Much like, perhaps it is this. (laughs) Here we get a little taster of that a little hint of the kind of transformation that we see in the lives of the earliest disciples which caused them to sing. Um, And we'll be looking at that a bit more next time. And so far then, 
we've looked at the contrast between the old self and the new self and fruitfulness and unfruitfulness. And as he's done so often um, in the verses we've been looking at over the past few weeks, Paul immediately seeks to ground that teaching in practical guidance. So having looked at both the core of our new identity in Jesus and the outward signs of what that new life looks like, he earths it by describing how we get from A to B, how we live in this new reality and allow it to bear fruit in our lives. Verse 15 and 16 say, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And this is a theme that Paul keeps coming back to in his letters. In Galatians uh, 6, he writes, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And in Colossians 4, he says this, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know, may know how to answer everyone. And so taking these three passages together, um, all different letters written to different churches in different circumstances and situations, um, the implication for us is so clear. It's a call that echoes out no matter our circumstances. Every opportunity means every opportunity. It doesn't mean um, some opportunities or opportunities that come along when you're having a particularly good day or opportunities that come along when you're feeling particularly spiritual. Um, It's just every opportunity in all walks of life, at all times, be on the lookout to do good to others, to stand for goodness rather than evil, righteousness rather than injustice, truth rather than falsehood. Through the renewing of your mind, use your emotions, your speech, your actions to point to who God is and what he's done. And by making the most of your time, making the most of your relationships with those around you, making the most of chance encounters or opportunities to go out and hug people in a park, Make much of him and not so much of ourselves. And that's the challenge for us this morning. Are we making the most of every opportunity to do good, to show grace, to live in this light, to reveal this light, to bear this fruit? Are we living that out? Are we living wisely? Are we demonstrating righteousness, truth, and goodness? Are we making the most of every opportunity that comes our way? And if we're not, what steps do we need to take in order to live up to Paul's challenge? Not as a way of putting unnecessary pressure on ourselves, but as a natural outworking of a greater understanding of our own new identities. And for each of us, that will look different depending on where we are. For some of us, 
And it comes back to that stuff on identity. If you have centered your life on Jesus, do you know, first and foremost, the depth and breadth and height and length of the new identity that you have in him? If not, what can you do to change that? How can you go deeper in that? Are there things you can read or listen to or particular passages to study and meditate on? Are you living in your identity? If you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, the invitation is there to come and be part of it, to come and join us in knowing and revealing this light, in seeking to make the most of every opportunity to do good to those around us, adding to the breadth of who we are together. And wherever you are on your walk with Jesus, we'd love to walk it with you. And for some of us here this morning, you know that you just need to start taking action. You look at Paul's inspiration, his encouragement to us, and you know you need to start making changes, making the most of opportunities to bear fruit and reveal that new kingdom of light in every circumstance. Martin's story puts it like this. You will not become the person that God wants you to be merely by the passing of time. Unless you intentionally go about allowing the word of God to change you and respond to some of the challenges life throws at you in a godly way, you'll end up in a year's time exactly the same as you are now, only with a few more grey hairs. Um, I don't think I've got any grey hairs yet, um, but I know I want more of that. I know I want more of him changing me daily, helping me to make the most of every opportunity to show goodness, righteousness, and truth. I know I want more of the power of his spirit working in my life to make me more like Jesus. Is that you as well? If it is, um, we're going to close the meeting in a minute. Why don't you turn uh, to someone next to you and say, that's who I want to be. Will you help me to be that person? Will you stand with me in prayer? Will you hold me accountable and ask if I'm doing that? Will you help me live that out? Why don't we stand together? Jesus, we thank you for the morning we've had today. We thank you for the um, joy and excitement of celebrating in who you are. Um, the, the breadth of who we are together on full display uh, in worshipping you. Jesus, we thank you for the stories we've heard of people stepping out in faith um, to bring your kingdom to those who might never have any other opportunity to come to know you and Jesus we thank you for this call this morning to live in the light of our new identity in you to live revealing it in every area of life no matter where we've been uniquely placed 
Jesus, I pray you would help us to do this this week. Challenge us on how we're using our emotions, how we're using our words, how we're using our actions to make much of you and not so much of ourselves. Be with us this week. Help us to go out as your people um, on your mission, making you known in every area of life, making the most of every opportunity. In your name. Amen. 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 Amen.